Hello and welcome Success Grid Nation to this new episode of the Success Grid Podcast. In this episode, I am talking with Brad Shepard. He is a managing partner at Sugar House Investments. We are talking about real estate investing for busy non-real estate professionals to achieve success in real estate without being a landlord. Hope this episode adds value to you and hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life. With your host, Hussein Talib. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Grid podcast with your host, Hussein Talib. My guest today, Brad Shepard, he earned his undergraduate degree in finance with an eye toward commercial real estate, interning with one of the premier commercial property portfolio companies in the Northwest. He purchased his first rental property within months of graduating college. Brad, welcome to the grid. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Awesome to have you here. So from what I get from this little intro about you, that you started early in real estate in your age so tell us a little bit more about yourself and how did you go through this journey and how did you start in real estate yeah so i've been involved in real estate in one aspect or another for the last 20 years it's kind of hard to believe that it's been that long but (laughs) i don't know where it was somewhere in my teenage years i got the idea that real estate is where i wanted to go and that's you know maybe some article i read told me about how you know, so many, whatever percentage of millionaires have you know made their way there from real estate or what, I don't know where I got the idea, but uh, that's definitely what um, I went into school thinking uh, the path I wanted to go down. So I, you know, got in a, ma- a finance ma- a program, uh, did an internship with a large commercial uh, real estate firm up in Seattle and loved it. You know, I, I didn't go um, right into the commercial space coming out of college. Like I had originally intended, I got you know, kind of life took me a different path, but I've done rentals and um, hotel, even hotel rehabs, hotel construction, um, uh, raising money from both domestic and international investors. And for the last four years, I've been exclusively focused on the capital raising side for uh, large commercial deals like apartment complexes and self storage units. And uh, yeah, it's you know I I, I enjoy it. That's a, one of the cool things about real estate is there's so many different aspects and avenues that. Uh, you can take depending on what your skill set or interests are. Cool, awesome. Well, it's it's, it's great that you kind of discovered where you want to go into this side of things early in your life. Whether, like you mentioned, maybe you read some kind of an article in a magazine or read some kind of online right. post, or you went you met someone that was in real estate. So reading is good. This is one point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is nice when you know it's it's when you can discover an, an interest early. Like, like, like yeah, that can be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So now you mentioned commercial real estate and hotels and this kind of. So what my major things or things that you are focused in right now on real estate exactly? Yeah. So you know after doing uh you know four or five years focused on residential properties and that's the smaller one you know a single family house or a two three or four unit deal um i you know, I, I got tired of dealing with um how much work those take and mm. kind of the you know the lack of professionalism you know i'm i'm you know a contractor says i'll show up on tuesday and he doesn't show up right or you know the you agree on a price and then that price gets adjusted significantly so surprisingly um, or working with, you know, the sellers or just your typical homeowner who's selling a house. And that might be the first or second or third time that they've ever sold a property. 
And I just kind of got tired of that, um, that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And so four years ago is when I, you know, it kind of dawned on me again, like, Hey, let's, let's go back to the commercial space. And that's where I've been for the last four years, coming up on five years. And I like it because it's of the sophistication. You're working with professional sellers, uh, professional property management, uh, per, you know, full-time staff as far as the, the the on-site property maintenance goes. So it's just a different level, and it makes it much easier to manage. You know, it's bigger numbers, but it's quite uh, quite uh, simple compared to the you know the the active management of the single-family uh, properties. Mm -hmm. So is this is the same as what's called real estate syndication? Yes, exactly. That's so that's, that's exactly where I'm at. And, and so the um the syndication, you know, that's just a fancy word for group investments. Mm. You know, with us with a smaller property, you know, and just generally it's just one person that can afford to buy those. When it comes to these multi-million dollar apartment complexes or self-storage units, that generally takes a group of people. A syndicate is, is just all that means is, is just a group of people coming together to pool their money to be able to afford to buy it, fix it up and, it's in, in, and sell it. You know, it's the same idea as a fix and flip, but it's you're doing it with bigger, bigger properties. Cool. Yeah, because they, they know what you're, they're doing. And like you mentioned, because it's a big complex or a big place, so it needs uh, maybe more money, maybe someone when it's, when on himself can take the risk on it, maybe. Although, right. Is there is there any risk in real estate right now? Do you think, or it's like risk free business? <laughs> well, I would never say risk risk free, but I do like real estate compared because of so much of the safety nets that it provides compared to other investment opportunities. You know, it's hard to start a business. Yes, a stock can go to zero. Real estate, you've got a physical insured asset. I mean, you can drive over to it. You can put your hands on it. Right, you can mm -hmm. feel it. And it's, you know, real estate in the end of the day is pretty simple. You build a building, somebody wants to live there or store their stuff there and they pay you money for it. And if you fix it up nicely, they'll pay you more to, yeah. to live in it or to store exactly. their stuff there. And then once once it's worth more, then you can sell it for more than you than you paid for it. And mm -hmm. so I, it's a really simple concept. Mm -hmm. um, so th to me, the risks are are much less. What Where there are risks, of course, is, you know, if how the operator is evaluating a market, evaluating how much it's going to cost to turn this property around, evaluating how much they can increase the rents once you do improve the property. And so it comes down to the operator, really. That's where you know the first thing that we evaluate is, does this operator have a track record of success? Do they know what they're doing? And so, you know, it's because uh, you are trusting an operator to go in there and execute the business plan. You just want to make sure that this is a team that knows what they uh, can do, what they say they're, they want to do. For example, I studied uh, accounting. So what you learn in accounting, like uh, land, for example, land itself, land has a consistent uh, value. It does not depreciate, right? So yeah, but does the does the real estate or buildings or these kind of things, like you mentioned, if you improve on it, if someone does not improve on it, will they depreciate in value? Yeah, sure. These are, I mean, these are assets that do depreciate, right? I mean, if you've, you you don't maintain the the property, it becomes out of date, becomes dilapidated. You know, the uh, lots of things can go wrong. Property, you know, real estate needs to be lived in. Assuming there's a building there, right? I mean, land's a different thing, but if it's, a house needs to be lived in to be up up uh, upkept. Um, yes, I mean, there's we haven't had a big downturn in the real estate world for 
you know, coming up on 13, 14 years, 2007, eight, nine, of course, those are rough years. Um, you know, some unusual circumstances there. There are market risks, legislative interest rate, et cetera, and oversupply. But right now, we are so undersupplied and there's so much activity, you know, people wanting to move, people changing markets, um, working remotely, and there's just not enough supply. Anywhere you look, there's not enough supply. And so when you have this high demand and low supply, prices go up yeah. and it's hard. You know, sometimes people ask, are we in a bubble right now? Mm. It, it's not that what's different now is it, there's not a whole lot of speculation going on. It's true demand and low supply. And so, you know, for me again, yes, you know, real estate can go down, but it's, you know, it, it can't happen until we catch up on the supply side. Mm, yeah. But what happened back in 2008, it was, uh, <laughs> I watched a, mo a movie called The Big Short. I'm sure you know it. Right. Yes. Yeah, that was <laughs> tough. <laughs> so, Great movie. People, it makes yeah. you, you walk away from that so mad at all the people who <laughs> pulled all those tricks and got away with it for sure. Yeah. yeah. So like you, you mentioned the stocks and there is real estate. So uh, do you, because you are in real estate, Do you think people who are successful, for example, in other arenas, uh, in other areas, should go also in real estate or they should stick into what they do best, for example, if they're good stocks or if they are good in whatever they are, sales or whatever, which is actually, It, which is real estate actually involves sales, basically, right? <laughs> right. You know, for me, the answer is to yes, yes to both of those questions. So you know, I am clearly biased. I am a big fan of real estate more so than stocks. That said, it's, it doesn't have to be an either or. I do have a stock portfolio. I encourage people to invest in things they're comfortable with. I am definitely overweighted in real estate. I Again, I like tangible physical assets. I have had stocks that go to zero. I mean, I, mem I remember in the early 2000s, I had a, um, a small piece of Delta stocks And you know, Delta Airlines and Delta filed for bankruptcy and Ooh. those stocks went to zero, right? So, I mean, it, it's not just theoretical. It can happen. And with real estate, you can't go to zero. There's just, I mean, it would take, you know, something worse than World War III. I, I don't know what it would take to, to, to get real estate to go to zero. So it's, you know, I, I like that aspect of real estate. But that, that said, I do encourage people to invest in things they're comfortable with. I want them to get comfortable with the idea of these syndications and stick to the things that they're good at. And so, you know, I spend my day working with potential investors, educating them about these syndications. And these are individuals who they're already successful at whatever they do, doctors, business owners, they, they've done well in their chosen endeavor. And I'm saying, hey, you know, you know how valuable real estate is, how, you know, the, the solid returns that are available here, but you don't want to be a landlord, right? You don't want to be a fix and flipper because that's another day job. Those mm -hmm. are tough. And even with a good property manager, that can suck up a lot of brain power. So rather than being an active real estate investor, you can go, you can become a passive investor, participate in these commercial deals with us, these syndications, get all these advantages, the returns, the tax advantages, et cetera, and just keep on doing what you're doing that you're already successful at. Mm -hmm. And so that's really who I work with is people who are already successful doing other things, but want to take advantage of the returns and tax advantages of real estate as well. Oh yeah, so so like you mentioned, it's uh, taxes. You mentioned taxes, and uh, does does real estate uh, have more a better effect on people who invest in it than, for example, stocks? 
Yeah. So, you know, talking specifically about the U.S. tax code, because I, you know, I, that's where I'm familiar. Uh, one thing, you know, you, you the, the leverage opportunity in, in real estate is fantastic. Generally, you can buy a piece of property for just 20% down. Yes, I know you can buy stocks on margin. That's a whole different risk profile. But, you know, just the standard purchase in real estate is you only have to come up with 20 or 25% of the sales price. Mm. And then you know, the rest of it you can leverage. But the, uh, the tax code in, in, in the United States is really favorable to real estate investing. You know, the tax code is all about providing incentives or disincentives. For whatever reason, Congress has decided that they really want people to invest in real estate because they make it really tax favorable. And so what you know you can do in the real estate, we talk about depreciation. You know, the the tax code says, hey, this is an asset that is going to wear down over time. So every year you can take a portion of the value and consider a loss on your tax return and deduct your income. And so it actually can reduce your the income for which you have to report to the the tax authorities to pay taxes on. And and, and then these large commercial deals, there are opportunities to bring, you know, rather than doing that over, you know, a portion of the building over, I'm going to use a rough number. It's not the exact number, but it's roughly 30 years, just shy of 30 Mm -hmm. years. Instead of taking one thirtieth of a, of a deduction every year, we can do it much quicker than that. And so we generate some big passive losses even though we're getting money into our bank account each month. And you, again, you take those losses, offset your other gains to reduce your tax exposure. Mm. And those pass through to all of the investors that we that are involved in these deals with mm. us. And so, yeah, so there are some big tax advantages that you can mm. get with the real estate as opposed to investing in stocks or even the REITs is another vehicle that sometimes people will use. Like you mentioned, who, who wants to start... Uh, investing in real estate needs maybe 20 to 25 percent uh, uh, value of his money to to start with that so it does not have to be like complete price so if there is a complex or a building or whatever that's priced at one uh, million dollars for example you you need like a quarter of a million to to do that so and speaking of these right. kind of prices what are the things that you the price range, let's say that you work with, or do, do you go all around uh, all the commercial real estates work with that? Yeah. So as far as price ranges go, you know, generally we're buying properties that have at least 150 units and above. I think the largest we bought was just just over 400 units. And so let's say, for example, it's the property costs $100 million. That's pretty common. 80 million, 60 million is, is that kind of that kind of a range. And the bank, the lender is willing to cover 80% more often than not, 80% or sometimes 75% of that purchase price. So that means if it's a $100 million property, we've got to come up with 200, uh, sorry, if it's a $100 million property, we've got to come up with 20 million, right? And so how do we do that? So that, uh, and this is another advantage of the commercial space. If you're going to go buy your own home and it's a $100,000 property, you have to come up with $20,000 down payment. The bank wants you, the individual buyer, to have that $20,000 in your bank account for months and months and months and months already. That's your money. They want that to come from you and you only for the down payment. On the commercial space, those lenders, they don't care where you come up with the down payment. So everybody just piles in their money into a pot to come up with that down payment. And the bank's like, cool, you got the down payment. Let's do it. So, you know, that's what we're raising. We're raising the down payment. That $20 million is what we're, we're, we're raising to be able to purchase that asset. So the investors are put in 
their 20% combined, and then the bank puts in their 80%. We're going to raise more than 20 million because we also need to come up with the money to do the updating. You know, so there's the capital that we need we need to do to, to you know fix things to make it nice, you know, up to date, put in some nice new amenities, fix the clubhouse, put in a better gym, fix the pool, what have you. So we raise more than just a down payment, but it's that same that same concept. Yeah. So like you mentioned, you can bring money from whatever in these kind of commercial states. So uh, can people who are in retirement can they use some of their money to invest in uh, real estate? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so one thing to consider is the types of deals that we work on, these syndications, they are generally projected to be about a five-year project. So a five-year hold time. And so if somebody is advanced in age, upper retirement age, these probably aren't suitable investments. Mm. Um, They are generating cash flow. And so, if, you know, maybe somebody who's just near retirement or just recently retired, uh, they could take advantage of the cash flow that these generate um, as part of their fixed income that they live off of. Um, so the answer is yes. Yet, and also we can use retirement accounts to invest in these. Um, but that's something that, to consider is that these are not, you know, unlike a stock where you can sell it with a couple of clicks of your mouse, right? These are uh, longer holds that are tougher to sell. If you want, if you came up against a, you know, had an issue, you really needed your money back. We'd have to involve a few people, have to involve the operator, try to find somebody to take your place and, and, and determine the current value and make that transaction happen. So it's quite a bit trickier to do so. Um, so that's something to consider. You know, it's, it's these, there are pros and cons, but um, it just depends on that individual scenario. How would you you your and your company help people that want to go into investing? How do, how do you deal with them? What do you do for them? How do you advise them to go around these kind of things? Yeah. So one thing we realized is most people who have done well in other places, they want to get involved in real estate. They're not familiar with these commercial syndications, and they're not you know they're not fancy. They're not they're not made up. They're not. Um, you know, there's nothing shady going on here, but they're just not very well known. Lots of people do them, but again, again, they're just not as, as well known as mutual funds or stock market investing or REITs. And so my job is to work with these potential investors to educate them about um, these opportunities and then bring them the deals that they could potentially invest in. Because then, you know, once you find out that these things exist, then the question is, who are the operators that do a good job? That actually know what they're doing because there's lots of them out there, but you may not want to put your you know, put your money on those some specific groups. And so our job then is to uh, and what we do we partner with. Right now we partner with six different operators, and again the operator are the ones who have found the deal. They are the ones who are going to execute the business plan. They they run the show. I've partnered with those operators. The deals that they have, we vet each deal independently, and then the ones that we prove we present to our our investor pool uh, for them to be able to participate in alongside with us and those operators Mm -hmm. so that's our goal is to one educate people about these opportunities and to provide them with pre-vetted hassle-free opportunities for them to jump in on have you worked with with let's say international investors outside of the us or only have you worked with only inside the us 
So the answer is is yes, but they've all been American citizens. Oh. And so, yeah, so I, I'll add that caveat in there. I've worked with individuals who live overseas, expats, um, but they're American citizens. And so the rules are you know pretty similar. I haven't worked with foreign citizens. So uh, oh, I would love to. <laughs> cool. So what's what's your goal with, with your company now? And like you mentioned, goals of the investors. What's your personal goal uh, around, revolving around the company and real estate? Yeah. So you know, honestly, it's you know we're really happy with where things are at. It's um, you know the business that I can do from anywhere. I love. Um, working with new investors and, and, and showing them these opportunities. For, for me, I think going forward, I want to add on some different asset classes. Right now, we've been doing apartments, primarily mobile home parks and self-storage units. Um, there could be some different asset classes around land or new development. Uh, so I'd, I'd like to work with some operators in those spaces as well. And, and just, to, just to make sure we have something for every investor's uh, goals and their profiles. Uh, by and large, the deals that we do have roughly a you know 14, 15, uh, up to 17% re- projected return. We do try to exceed that, but you know that's generally the range. So we could say you know like a 15% return. Um, that's the goals that we have for our our investors. And I just you know I'm out there right now just looking to work with more individuals who are interested in these types of opportunities. So you mentioned to me earlier of like you moved. Right from one city to another. So, right. how do you choose the place or the city or the market that you go into? Yeah, that's another great thing about these commercial deals. We're buying, honestly, we're buying a stream of cash flows. We're buying a business, and so you don't have to live in the same area that you invest. So, we just moved from Texas to Idaho, um, and it, you know, we're not going to skip a beat. You know, you notice I've got some blank walls and you know i don't have anything hanging up right now because we were we, we bought a house that we're going to start tearing apart to do some remodeling on um but you know our investments that we that we participate in i can do that from anywhere so we like to buy properties in the southern united states um those are the those are areas that generally have more favorable uh legal systems for landlords um and their economies are just solid so Arizona, Texas, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, these are states that we call landlord friendly. Uh, and they're just have roaring economies. Lots of people want to move there. We, we, we want to invest, you know, we're providing housing. So we want to invest where people want to live, right? That's our, that's our, our market. Um, and again, we can do that from anywhere. So yes, you know, I'll go out there as part of our vetting process. I fly out to most of the properties that our operators are purchasing um, and, and, and walk through it. Take some, take a lot of pictures, so I can share those with Mark with our investors. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't have to live there. I, I I wanted to live up where we're at now in Idaho. I wanted to live near the mountains. Cool. Get some nice, drier nice, air. Get away nice, from the nicer view. Exactly, nicer view, fewer bugs. Texas has a lot of <laughs> bugs, so we were done with it. Uh, you know, wanted to more opportunities to do some skiing and camping up here. But so you can you know invest in anywhere it's just because it's the operator who's going to execute the business plan. Speaking of this, uh, do you have been all things or all stories or all your businesses revolving real estate good ones or do you have some not so good ones? I do have some not so good ones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think anybody involved in real estate for just a handful of years is going to have some scars. So, you know, both on the active side where I've done my own deals, 
I've done some fix and flips where you know the, the intent was to be in them for just a few months, buy it, fix it up, sell it. And some of those have done really well. And I've had two that went really poorly. Um, one, we got into some, once we got, once we bought it, started doing some work, we realized that the previous owner had done a lot of structural changes that made the, made the house really unsafe, to be honest. Mm. And so it just delayed everything. I had to bring in an engineer, an architect and the city code and all of that. And so what was supposed to be a six week project turned into almost a year and a half. Ooh. And then I did a project also out of state. So living in Texas, I bought a house in Pennsylvania and you know, I was just so enamored by the numbers on paper, what this thing could do, what, you know, after I, how much it would cost to fix it up, how much I could rent it for. I thought, well, I'm going to buy a hundred of these things. Well, the first one, you know, we re- it should have just been torn down. It was not worth putting money in to fix it up. And I just, <laughs> I didn't have, you know, a good contractor with good numbers. And it was nightmare, nightmare, nightmare scenario. And went through a whole winter in, in, in Pennsylvania where it snows and freezes quite a bit. And just took a lot of work flying out there several times to try to get that thing done just to a point that I could sell it off to an, another investor. We lost a bunch of money on that one. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are on, that, on, the, on the fix and flip side. Uh, actually, my very first deal in the commercial space where I went in as a passive investor, meaning I just wanted to go in there and see how this worked. I wanted to get to know this world a little bit. So I just put money in a, on a deal in, in South Texas. It was supposed to be locked up for 18 months and it's four years later and we still don't have our money back. Uh, so that project, lots of things went wrong there. It got hit by a hurricane, um, poorly managed, three different property managers there. Um, it was just a different style that uh, of, of, of a business plan that I've learned that we're not going to do again. But I learned a ton of lessons from that one as well. Yeah, this this is how you learn sometimes from failure. Failure is something you learn from. It's feedback. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know what is it with contractors. Sometimes they don't go. They don't do their job on time. They, I don't know what is it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're talking about small properties and you're just kind of you know every anybody can call themselves a contractor and you don't know. I, I made a lot of poor judgment calls on on that one in Pennsylvania for for sure. Lots of lessons learned there. But that's again, you know, when you get into these bigger properties, you're working with construction firms. It's a little, you know, expectations mm. can be quite a bit higher. Yeah, construction firms and well-known architectural designers and companies they they know they need to know or keep their reputation. Let's say it's Absolutely. not like it's not like it's uh, anything goes around. So what would you right. say uh, uh, one takeaway from this episode, Brad? Yeah. So what we learned on like on that commercial deal that we're still in, this just become, you know, keeps on going and going. That one was a deep turnaround project. It needed a lot of work to bring it up to current markets. Um, and, and part of that project was to build some new uh, apartment buildings on that property. It had the space to do so. Those are the, uh, those are the, uh, the portions of the project that really got us in trouble. There was some bad zoning. Again, you know, we were halfway through the construction when the hurricane came, knocked, you know, set us back to square one because it knocked a lot of stuff down there. You know, my, the takeaway from us, for us has been, we don't like those deep turnaround projects. And another thing I'll mention is the, the market, the, the neighborhood that that property is in is, you know, it's an hour and a half south of, the, of a big city. You know, it's an hour and a half south of Houston, Texas. And, and we like, so we like properties that are closer into the population centers. Mm. So, you know, again, the takeaways being, I don't want these big turnaround projects 
like that. I want them to be a little more a, a lighter. You know, these are already pr- well-performing assets. We just want to go in there and optimize them, just tweak it to bring them. Um, sure. to, and you make it short term, like a month, two months, maybe. So it's not like that one that took like a year or a year and a half. That's <laughs> exactly, exactly. It shouldn't. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, these are deals that should. You know, you should be able to turn up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. what we like. Awesome. So, wh- where can people get in touch with you, Brad? Yeah, the best place to connect with us is at our website, sugarhouseinvestments.com. and that's where you can connect with us. Put your email in our in our investor database there, and and see the opportunities that we have available. And then I also like to hang out on Twitter too. I, you know, there's a lot of great real estate discussions going on on Twitter, mm-hmm. so I. I check in on there several times a day as well. Oh, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brad, for being here today with me on this episode of the Success Grid Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.